You are listening to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and this is episode 39. Welcome to the Supermom is Getting Tired podcast. This show is designed for moms who invest everything into parenting, but get overwhelmed, lost, and resentful. Listen and learn how to unburden yourself, feel calm, full of energy, and in control. I'm your host, Master Certified Life Coach, Teacher, and Recovering Supermom, Tori Henderson. I am so excited for you to listen to today's episode. It is the exact conversation I needed to hear back when I was feeling so tired, so overwhelmed, anxious, stuck, annoyed, irritated. You know, there are signs that we are off track for the life that we're meant to live, and it shows up as feeling purposeless, feeling busy but bored, blaming. You know, if you think if your husband would just change, then you'd feel better. If your kids would just change, then that would solve your problems. If the kid's teacher would be different, like it shows up in so many different ways. Illnesses, just like random kind of like hard to diagnose, hard to cure ailments is all these ways that I feel like our higher self is trying to get our attention and show us that we're off track. Depression, anxiety, just feeling depleted and lacking this you know, excitement about our lives. And this is the conversation that I needed to hear. So I'm so excited for you to listen today. Before we get started, I want to invite you to join me for a free five-day Confident Kid Challenge. So if you go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash confident, you can sign up. And this is going to take place inside my Supermom is Getting Tired Facebook group. And this is for all y'all who might err on the side of overparenting. If you are anything like me, we like to take care of our kiddos. We Of course, we want our kids to be confident, but we kind of think, well, if they would just step up and show me some responsibility, and then I could let go. If they would take responsibility, then I could step back. But what tends to happen is kids don't want to step up and take responsibility until we step back. But if we step back and start doing less for them, we kind of feel uncomfortable because we have to watch our kids kind of flounder and make mistakes and not really, you know, excel and be successful. And so we tend to want to step in and take over. And then this can show up in so many different ways, but it could be making your kids lunches every day. It could be, you know, managing your kids' homework, talking to teachers for them, talking to coaches, helping them uh, navigate their friendships. Like this can show up in so many different ways. I have a belief that we all kind of know deep down where we're overbearing and where we need to step back. So I'm going to invite you and challenge you to take some steps forward in that one area that you feel like is maybe the source of contention between you and your kid, some place where you're always getting into arguments or you feel like you're constantly nagging them, you know, whether it's cleaning up after themselves or, you know, take your responsibility for, I don't know, not losing their assignments, whatever it is, there's some area where I think that you could step back and kind of let them make their own mistakes so that they can build competency. And from competence, they get confidence. So I invite you to join me for this challenge. Again, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash confident, and we're going to do this together in Facebook group. 
So I look forward to seeing you there and enjoy today's episode. Hello, you are listening to the Super Mom is Getting Tired podcast. I'm your host, Tori Henderson, and I have a special guest here with me today because I have a question that I think is so universal and yet still seems to challenge us. And I thought that Sarah Dean would be the perfect person to help me tackle today's question, which is how do I make time for myself when there are so many things to get done? So welcome to the podcast, Sarah Dean. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to dive in. Well, Sarah is host of the Shameless Mom Academy, and her mission is to motivate and inspire women to stop shrinking and start growing every aspect of their lives. So she leads a private community and she coaches shameless mom business owners to build thriving businesses that they truly love. So she knows a lot about having a lot on your plate and trying to do a lot while also raising kids. So Sarah, I would love to know What do you mean when you say stop shrinking and start growing every aspect of your lives? What does that mean to you? So this actually came from uh, my, my past life. So my previous career, I was in the fitness industry and I owned a gym for, um, I, I had a fitness business for 15 years and I owned a gym for a chunk of that in the last few years. And one of the things that women came to me for all the time was shrinking their bodies. And what I learned over time that was, so many women and moms had spent such a big part of their lives trying to physically shrink their bodies as a primary goal in life. And that had come at the expense of really shrinking the way they interact with their lives, the way they show up in their lives, the way they build relationships, the way they build businesses, that women really are encouraged and indoctrinated to be small, play small, stay small. And so I wanted to create a space where women were encouraged and given tools to take up space and get out of this mentality of trying to make your body smaller and trying to take up less space and having a quiet voice and not being disruptive in any area of your life. And so that's kind of where it all began. And now here we are three and a half years later, and it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> and so what is your advice for a mom who says, there's no time for me because there's so many things to do, right? It's that endless to-do list that we seem to have as moms. I actually was on a call today with a woman, one of my private business coaching clients, and she was in tears crying about how she lives in such a reactive space. And she never feels like she has... She she was actually saying, she's like, I think I need to put my business on the back burner for the next year or two, because there's just so many things I need to get done around my house and with my kids. And I listened to her and listened. And then when she was all done, I was like, so I have some feedback. (laughs) I was like, no, 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 no. You should not put your whole life on hold and give up all the areas of your identity that make you shine and allow you to feel whole for other people. And so I think when we look at busyness, First of all, it's really socially acceptable for moms to be super busy and to be overbooked and to have so much on their plate and to own that as like an identifier as part of their identity. Mm -hmm. That everything, I'm just always crazy busy and I'm such a hot mess. And I think that we do a massive disservice to ourselves when we see our lives that way. And so if you are living five minutes in front of your face and you're constantly living in that reactive space and feeling like you don't have enough time, then you need to take some radical responsibility for 
changing some things and creating space on your calendar and creating space in your schedule. And that might sound overwhelming and like just one more thing to do, but it is the most crucial thing that you can do for your own mental health if you feel like you are living your life in service to others at the expense of yourself. Yeah, because I think when there, when we have the thought there's so many things to get done, it keeps our brain trained to look for all the things that need to get yes. done. Yes. There will never be an end to it. We can always right. find more things. We always need to right. put those photos and albums. And, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. So we've got to be really like careful. My, mom, my whole upbringing, my mom always had a to-do list and it always started with like update photo albums. Yeah. Right. It's like that's always like at the bottom of everybody else's. It's so easy right. to just put that off. Right, right. Yeah. And I absolutely agree. Like our thoughts matter. And so if you perceive yourself as always being super busy and overbooked, you will always feel like you're super busy and overbooked. So yeah, absolutely. Our thoughts around that matter a lot. Um, And I think we put a lot of the wrong things on our to-do list and that doesn't help us. Like one of the things... What would you say is the wrong thing to put on it? We like to make lists that feel really productive, but don't necessarily move the needle. And so what I mean by that is we put things on there like clean out the garage, update the photo albums, check email, wash the car. And it's like, sure, if you get those things done, great. But do those actually help you toward a goal? Do those actually bring you peace? Do they bring you joy? Probably not. So if the car gets washed, great. But also if it doesn't get washed, is there something else that could take the space of those kinds of tasks that actually impact your life or your family life in a more positive and profound way? And so when people, I think, have this general construct of a to-do list, it's just this massive brain dump that's not prioritized. And I think there's a difference between a task list and and an action list. I encourage moms every morning to get up before the kids. And it doesn't have to be like three hours before the kids, maybe like 20 minutes, if more, if you have more time to give, but get up before the kids and make an action list of three things to do that day that move you closer to a goal. And that's not going to be checking email. It's not going to be washing the car. I'm assuming washing your car does not take you closer to a goal. It's not going to be updating the photo albums. It's going to be... So for me, for example... My task list today was to apply for a speaking engagement that's next spring. It was to um, fill out a form where I I just hired a strategist and I need to get a bunch of documentations to her. So I have to get that to her. That moves the needle in my business to send this stuff to the strategist. Mm -hmm. And then to plan my content for tonight for one of my membership communities. Because that's a high priority for me to be in high service to those people who are paying me. So those are three things I need to do today that absolutely move the needle. My sink is full of dishes and my car has not been washed in nine months. And that's completely fine. And it's going to stay that way. (laughs) I can remember a time where I would walk through my house and just like be so bogged down by the mess and the clutter. And I just felt like it was so hard for me to motivate myself because I just felt like that this was all my life had amounted to, you know, like I felt like putting dishes in the dishwasher was not my life's calling. And it was amazing. Once I started pursuing my life's calling, how the burden of the dishes just seemed so minor. Right. But before it felt so overwhelming. I'm like, how can I pursue my calling when I can't even do the dishes? And then I'm pursuing my calling and doing so busy doing like things that are inspiring and exciting for me 
that it's like, I don't even notice I'm loading the dishes. So I do see that pattern too in some of my clients. Yeah. And it's funny because I, when my son was really little, I felt very burdened by chores and tasks. And now that he's a little older, I actually like folding laundry. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go turn on a podcast and I'm not going to be working. And it actually is a mental escape for me now. So it has that. So it's, I absolutely agree that thing context changes as mindset changes. And so when he was teeny tiny and my whole world was being a stay at home mom, which was not what I was cut out to do at all, but I tried to make it work. I was bitter about having to do the laundry. And I really disliked doing those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And now at the end of a busy day where I'm mentally taxed, I'm like, oh, mama just wants to fold some laundry. That sounds amazing. So it's actually like, there's so many reframes around these things. And yeah, and I actually like, I have to catch myself. I don't know if you have this. After I drop my son off at school, I come home and I work from home and I could easily walk through my house and find a million different things to do that would make my day go sideways. (laughs) And so I have to, in fact, this morning, I even walked through the kitchen and I was like, I'm choosing not to do those dishes on purpose right now because I have a call at 10 and I, that gives me an hour and a half to do these action items. And those must take precedence over the dishes. If I get to the right. dishes, I can make, I can do the dishes at five 30 tonight while I'm like in the process of making dinner, they'll still be there. It'll be fine. Yeah. But I can't, I that's not going to be to tell themselves things like, Oh, I can't, I just can't go to bed without doing the dishes. It makes me feel anxious, whatever. Well, you know, it, again, it kind of comes down to the question of how do I make time for myself when there's so many yeah. things done is starts with asking, what do I want? Yes. What is my ultimate big picture goal? Do I want right. to have a clean house? Is that my highest aspiration? Then great. Right. right. <laughs> but if you want more for your life, then I think when we focus on doing the dishes or, you know, cleaning up and getting those like little daily things done, it's, it's going to leave us with the sense of dissatisfaction and this kind of vague feeling of like purposefulness. And that's how you know that you're meant for more is if it doesn't feel good. Right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the telltale signs of that is when you get to the end of every day and you just feel so exhausted and so tired. And I've been in that place professionally where I get home from a work day. And I think I'm just so, so tired. And that's usually because we're not doing the things that light us up. And sometimes there's phases of life where we're not going to be doing things that light us up, but that doesn't mean that we can't build in things that light us up that we have to look forward to and that we can have some anticipation around mm-hmm. because we should not be living. I mean, one of the telltale signs of that you're not making enough time for yourself is that you're just always tired. Right. Yeah. Uh, you My will podcast have- is called Supermom is Getting Tired. And exactly, right, so I agree right. with you. Like that fatigue is the sign from your like higher self that right. it's time for either more, less, shifting gears, something. Right. Yeah. And my when I was at the end of my time running my gym, I wanted to take a nap every day. And when I finally got through the sale of that business and full-time into the Shameless Mom Academy, I have not taken a single nap since the day I sold the gym. Because I don't feel tired. And it was so interesting to me. I thought I was so tired during that phase. And this is, I look now I can look back and see this pattern throughout my life. Times when I would feel like I needed to take naps every day. And I'm like, oh, that's because I was not doing the right thing. I was, I was filling my days, but not filling them with things that lit me up and which was completely exhausting and draining. 
And yeah. now I can work, you know, I cram as much as I can into the hours that my son is at school. And I'm still like, oh, can I get like 15 minutes more in after he goes to bed? <laughs> so that may, not that that's a healthy thing to do. And I really tried to have boundaries around that. But that desire to keep going and desire to like, oh, I'm so excited for the next thing is just like gives me boundless energy. And that's how you know you're doing the right thing or you're creating space for yourself to be growing and evolving. For sure. And for me, I know it shows up as fatigue, but also illness. Like I get sick a lot if I'm doing work that's not right for me. Yeah. I feel run down, but I also get sick. So it's just, everyone's a little bit different. So you want to watch and see like, what are your signs that you're telling you that you're off track for your life? And I think we need to watch out for these things that are socially acceptable. Like you were saying how staying busy and accomplishing a lot of to-dos and tasks is kind of a socially acceptable thing to say. Mm -hmm. I think prioritizing the children is another thing that's kind of socially acceptable that we have to watch out for because we can sometimes use it as an excuse to play smaller in our life. Do you see clients doing that at all? Yeah, that was actually something I was asking a client today. And I was saying... it was the same client I referenced earlier, but I said, are you, you know, when you feel, so you feel like you want to put your business on hold in order to attend to things around the house and things for family, is that because that really needs to be the priority or is it because that's a distraction because it keeps you safe and you don't have to stretch yourself and you don't have to push yourself into this new endeavor that you have some imposter syndrome around. And so, yeah, I think that it's really easy to use our families and our kids to escape our own loneliness and our own anxiety and our own um, isolation. And so we can look super, super busy, but not, and like we're engaged in all the things, but we're not actually really connected to anything. And we're not dialed into what makes us our most us, if that makes sense. Like what makes you the most you version of yourself. So I was super, super busy with my gym stuff, but it was not speaking to my soul anymore. And I was always exhausted. I was annoyed with my child, with my husband And now that I've built something that is way more tied into my gifts at this time in my life, my energy around all that is very different. And so I'm not trying to escape any of the parts of my life. I want to be showing up for all of them. Um, So yeah, I think that absolutely. And I think it's interesting too that you said anymore. Like there was probably a time when you opened the gym that it did fulfill your soul's calling. And I think sometimes we forget that things change. And just because you loved being a stay-home mom for the first kid doesn't mean you're going to love it for the second kid. And it's absolutely okay to listen to those signals and respect that life's calling you in a different direction now. Yes, absolutely. And I'm always really careful and I appreciate you bringing that up because what I built at the gym or for a mom, a stay-at-home mom who built, you know, a house, a family and household unit and managed that, which takes so much work and effort and energy, that's something to be super, super proud of. And also you can absolutely outgrow that. And I think that to have some awareness around that is is really valuable because I think otherwise we think that we're failing in some way or that we are doing something wrong when really we've taken a role as far as we need to take it. And it's like just like having a job in anyone else's company like you get to a certain point, you're like, I've done what I need to do. I get, I've done what I came here to do. I've maximized my gifts in this area. And I'm so grateful and proud. And I'm ready for the next thing. And that's 
I mean, I watched, I had two parents who stayed in the same jobs their entire careers and neither of them retired happy. <laughs> like they were both like so over it and should have been done 10 years earlier. And so I think that we need to t- uh, dial in and, and clue in a little bit more to our intuition around that and listen to those cues and voices and acknowledge them. And I also think women aren't, I think we're not trained to follow our, to listen to our gut or follow our gut, which is a, another part of that as well. And to make room for growth too. Yeah. I think, you know, we, ex- we want our kids to grow. We know they're going to go through growth spurts and developmental milestones, and we're all excited to watch them, but we forget that it's really important for us to not stop growing yes. personally, professionally, whatever to that it's just a part of being human. We're all designed for growth. And I think if we stop growing, it shows up as boredom, fatigue, restlessness. You know, you get that like busy, but bored feeling. Right. And that stuck feeling too. Like where you feel really stuck, but you can't figure out why. (laughs) Like, I know I need to be doing something different or more or in another direction, Mm -hmm. but I don't know how. Yeah. I was actually just doing a, coaching video from one of my membership communities the other day about how you always must be your own number one student. And so whether it's in motherhood or in building your own business, you can never stop learning yourself because as soon as you stop learning yourself, you limit how you can evolve your identity and how you can have impact with your truest identity. And let me tell you, it helps a lot too when your child turns into a teenager because (laughs) (laughs) they don't want to hear your wisdom and advice anymore, but they love to watch you flounder and try scary things and mistakes. And it's like you're teaching them through your example, through modeling. Right. So when you have a teenager thinking, you know, that I am the expert and I'm going to tell you what to do usually does not pan out. (laughs) (laughs) I only have a, I have an almost seven year old and uh, he already is over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, <laughs> it gets worse. Great. Like, uh, you know, Great. They just know so well, they already know what we're going to say. So we have to like keep growing so we can surprise them. Right, right, right. So I want to talk to you about what it means to play bigger in your life because I think a lot of people don't really understand what that means, or it's kind of a confusing, vague term. Or maybe we have ideas about it that sound good, but then the reality is, and what do you, how do you? define what it means to play bigger? So I think, I mean, we just talked about like always being your own student and always learning more. I think that's a part of it right there. I think some people here, you should play bigger. We think we need to take massive leaps all the time. And for someone who like me, who maybe struggles with anxiety, like taking massive leaps does not sound appealing. So to get advice, like you just need to play bigger is actually terrifying and crippling. Right. So I think we need to look at what does playing bigger really mean? And I think playing bigger means looking at like, what is the next semi-uncomfortable to uncomfortable step that you could take that would allow for growth in whatever area you're looking to grow? And so for me, that's looked like a lot of different things and that other people might laugh at. I mean, I (laughs) took ski lessons last year terrified. Like I hate heights. So a chairlift, I just want to die if I have to get a chairlift. I also don't like speed, momentum, or being out of control. So (laughs) most people would be like ski lessons, like no big deal. For me, this was me playing bigger in a massive way. So it's all relative to your own experience. But I knew that I wanted my child to see me challenge myself in this way. I had previously snowboarded 
with not a lot of success. And I knew that if I wanted to be on a mountain with my child, I probably needed to learn how to ski because I probably would be able to stick it out a few more years than I would snowboarding. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was like one way to play bigger. And that was, it felt big, even though it might not have seemed big to everyone. And I also started super small. I started with one, one hour lesson. I did not sign up for like eight weeks of eight hour lessons. I went and rented and skis and took one, one hour lesson to be like, I'm just going to feel this out and see how it goes. And I want to do it with like all people who are brand new in front of nobody that I've ever met before. <laughs> so, and that was a mass, that felt like a very big step, but it also felt like I can do this. It's one hour on a bunny hill. Like I can right. get up and walk at any point if I need to. So it was a big step ultimately when I looked at it, how it ended up turning out over the course of a couple of months, because that one hour turned into eight weeks of skiing, which was amazing. I'm still really scared of chairlifts and scared of going fast, but but the life experience of learning something new, learning a new sport as an adult and having my son be there for all of that. And all that was just like, that was definitely me playing bigger. So there's examples like that. But I also think playing bigger can be like, I already gave the example, get up 20 minutes earlier in the morning and spend five minutes journaling what you want to do for the day, five minutes writing affirmations, five minutes reading a personal development book, and five minutes doing like some yoga stretching. And what that will do, that right there, like if you did that every day for three months, it would completely change the trajectory of your year. So playing bigger can be getting up and having like quiet time for 20 minutes, like I just explained. So Mm -hmm. I think we need to look at what playing bigger might mean for you. Cause a lot of times we hear people say things like that and we're like, Oh, that means I need to quit my job and start my own business and run a marathon. And we think of these massive leaps that just feel way too scary. And really it could be like, no, start a couch to 5k (laughs) or start a side hustle or, you know, uh, tell your boss, you want to do a speaking engagement for your organization. Like it doesn't have to always be this massive, huge, scary thing. Right. And I think as you're describing the definition of play bigger, another way to word it would be to face your fears and like recognize that it's like being uncomfortable. Like, so playing bigger sounds good, but the reality means you're putting yourself into uncomfortable places on purpose because you want to grow in that direction or you want the results that it's going to give you. I think the benefit of taking those steps, no matter how small, right? Those little baby steps is that you get used to crossing over this like river of misery, you know, our own resistance to doing something new. Right. And then when it shows up, you're just like, oh yeah, of course it's going to feel miserable. Like, because I'm trying something new and it's scary and I feel vulnerable and I'm not going to be good at it right away and I don't have control. And so, yeah, it feels terrible, but it's familiar because mm-hmm. I've done it enough. So I think that's where there's a benefit. I know for me, just starting this podcast, like I was totally freaked out just because I hadn't <laughs> done it before and all the right. technology and I didn't know what I was doing. And now it's just, now it's easy, right? You just like, right. It's only scary for the first time. <laughs> Right, right. And I also think I love what you're saying about like catching yourself in those moments and then labeling it in a neutral way for what it is to be like, oh, this is that part when I do something new where I feel super uncomfortable rather than like, oh, I'm so stupid and I can never do it and I get too nervous and blah. Like, it's really easy to go to those places of really negative self talk. And I think that we can do from a very neutral standpoint and neutral voice in our head, a neutral perspective, say, oh, 
every time I do something hard, it feels uncomfortable in the beginning. It feels a little sticky. And also it feels so much better when it's over with. So I'm just going to look forward to that. So we can really do a neutral reframe rather than going into this place of, and I love your example of the podcast and technology to say like, oh, this is exactly, I mean, we should tell people that we had to go back and forth multiple times just to get this recording today with technology. And it would be easy to be like, oh, technology never works for me. And this is why I hate this and blah, blah, blah. Instead of just being like, sometimes, sometimes technology is fickle and, but we always figure it out and it's totally fine. So like just neutralizing language constantly makes such a difference in terms of how we can show up in our power and make something work in our favor. And I think it's something that you get from practice because like, I know if like when I was first starting to put myself out there, that was really the scary thing for me was like public humiliation and rejection, you know, like putting out a website and putting my picture up there and oh my God, so much drama around anything that had to do with like putting myself out there. Yeah, And I would do I would have run into a mistake like that, a problem like we had with our audio technology problem. And I would just like throw in the towel. I'm like, okay, this is it. Just way too hard. It's not going to happen. Like it's embarrassing. I can't handle it. Right. So, but the more you do it, the more you're like, oh yeah, I've been here, done that. I can, right. not that big of a deal. I can forgive myself. You know, I can right. handle being embarrassed or whatever. But it's it helps to, you know, Find these little ways to play bigger in your life, to take mm-hmm. chances, to take risks, because it gives you this life that's very fulfilling and exciting and personal to you and makes you excited to get up in the morning and right. proud of yourself when you go to bed at night. Right, right. And I think it also gives us space to collect evidence. So women are really good at collecting evidence about our shortcomings. And so and so back to the podcast example around like, I'm not good at technology and I can never make this work. And this is always hard and putting myself out there is embarrassing and all those things. We collect evidence to support our negative self-talk in many, many cases. This is like the fault of so many women or the struggle of so many women. And the reality is we could collect just as much evidence to the contrary to say, oh, but look at, these are all the hard things I've done in my life. And these are all the times I've overcome technology glitches. And these are all the times that I've shown up. And even though it felt uncomfortable, I've gotten really great feedback or I've impacted someone else's life or I've got, had an amazing experience. And so I really encourage women to collect evidence to support what you want, not support what your negative self-talk has been telling you for maybe your entire life. And one of the things I had my membership community do a few months ago, I had them create courage lists. And I literally, this was like kind of a last minute thing before we were getting on a call one day. And I was like, oh, I think I'll just have them do this. I think it'll be valuable. And it was life-changing for people because what I had these women, my shameless moms do, I had them create a list of everything. We sat for like 10 minutes. And I was like, I just want you to make a list of everything that you've ever done in your life that's required courage. And so what they, and then I said, if you want to share this later in our Facebook group, feel free. And these women came back and they shared the most profound, painful, scary, big, overwhelming, or things that they've been through in their lives to pinpoint all the times that they had practiced courage. And they all said after they had done it, they were like, this completely changes the way I see myself. When I look at like these 18 times that I've shown up in courage by surviving, you know, surviving rape and surviving an alcoholic parent or surviving a sexism in the workplace or whatever any of these things were pushing myself to, you know, go back to school when I had two little kids, 
all these examples and they saw that and they were like, oh, wait, I've been collecting all the wrong evidence. So I think we have to also be really conscientious around the evidence that we're collecting when we want to push ourselves to play bigger because we might not be collecting the right evidence to give us the power to do the next thing. We might have been, we might be collecting evidence that's actually harming us and holding us back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, that makes sense to me. It makes me think. So on the podcast, I do a, a super mom kryptonite, which is like a secret energy drain that you might not know is making you tired. And I feel like for today, the good one for that would be like playing small could make yes. you tired without you even really knowing it. You don't even understand what's going on. You just know you're tired all the time. And it might be that you're playing small or being stuck in a life that's not right for you. Right. And the super mom power boost of how you can get like a burst of energy. I really like that exercise is to look back on your life and say, where have I demonstrated courage? Right, Because you don't need to demonstrate courage when something comes easily for you. You only demonstrate it when something's really hard for you. Right, right. Yeah. And when, yeah, or when something's uncomfortable. Yeah. But then we get that reminder. All the things I've done. Yes. Yeah. That reminder of like, oh, wait, I've been really uncomfortable a lot of times. And look how far, like it's gotten me to some really, I've overcome a lot of things. I've climbed a lot of mountains. Yeah, no, I I really like that. I think that would be a great thing to reflect on. I just realized I had this aha moment just recently where I realized that the things I've been most scared to do in my life and have ended up being the best thing. So it's almost like yeah. the higher my anxiety about something, the more reward. Totally. Almost like that's a sign that I should take action if I'm feeling really freaked out by something. Have you ever noticed anything like that? Yes. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And I'm actually thinking that I went through a phase where I really like, I really dialed into that and I, and leaned into that to recognize, oh wait, like I need to be pushing myself in that way more often because that's how growth happens. And that's how we get to those new levels. And so we can really start embracing that rather than trying to step back. Do you think you've always played big by that I mean you know just taking risks and pushing yourself outside your comfort zone or was it something that you learned how to do oh that's a good question so I definitely did not grow up playing big I played I grew up playing super safe um, mm-hmm. and so I was a really good student and that was all I did <laughs> I was like I can get straight A's so that's all I'm gonna do and I actually I remember noticing my friends who played sports. And I was like, I don't know how they play sports. Like, cause if I wanted to play sports, I probably couldn't also get straight A's. I wouldn't have the time to dedicate to both. And mm. so I was just like, so focused and dialed in on like what I could do well. And that I should only do that thing. I think for me, what I recognized in my early twenties, recognized how much power I got from doing things that felt really hard once I was on the other side of them. And that for me really came in the form of exercise. So I'd grown up not doing any sports, not exercising, not working out, overweight kid who like thrived on macaroni and cheese as much as possible. And when I got into exercise as a young adult and I started running and then doing distance running and triathlons, I had this major, major shift in my identity when I started crossing finish lines. And it was different than anything I'd ever experienced before. Mm-hmm. because it was so much harder and so much scarier and so much, it felt so much riskier than just trying to get straight A's like straight A's. It was hard in the sense that like, 
I had to dedicate time to it, but it was something that I could always do. Like there was a formula for it for me. Like and if so there I wasn't a fear or a discomfort around it, right? You. There was no discomfort around it. There was some anxiety around it just because I'm someone who likes to easily feel overburdened by life. <laughs> but, um, but in terms of like knowing that I could do something well, like I knew I could do that well. I knew I could do school well and grade right. well and all that. But like, signing up for my first half marathon, I had no idea if I could cross that finish line. And that was so scary and so big. Um, and so when I started crossing finish lines, I had such a shift in my identity around what I saw myself as capable of doing. And then I would say, you know, the same thing happened. I ended up going back to school to become a personal trainer a couple of years after that. And again, going into that and recognizing like, I have two ways I can go in this career. I can go work for a big gym and make $13 an hour, or I can go out on my own and make $60 an hour. I'm going to go make $60 an hour. And I do not have the first clue how to run my own business, but I'm going to figure it out. That felt very risky and very scary, but it also felt like the only way to do it without that because other I knew if I had to go make $13 an hour working for someone else, I'd be real bitter for a real long time. <laughs> so I didn't see a whole lot of choice. Right. Um, but again, I went and I did it and I did it well. And again, my identity shifted and grew again. And so I'm not someone who grew up taking big leaps and big steps, but I have seen the benefit in doing it now. Mm-hmm. So now when I get ideas, I'm almost like, oh shoot, I wish I didn't have that idea because <laughs> I'm like, dang it. Now I have to go do it (laughs) Um, because I know what it's like on the other side. And so like I hosted my first live event last spring, we did shameless mom con here in Seattle. It was a conference for moms. And when I decided I was going to do it, someone in my community had suggested that I host a live event. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like in a year or two. And then the more I started kind of talking about it, it came up a few times in one of my membership communities. And so finally I was like, okay, I should probably do this this year so that these women can all meet in person. And then when I looked at a calendar, I was like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it like in the next two months is really the only time frame I have. And I, again, I was like, oh shoot, I wish I didn't know. Like, I wish I hadn't thought of this and no one had ever said it to me. And because now it's a thing and it exists. Like committed. But then I had to do it and it was terrifying. And what's yeah. funny is just like running that half marathon or going out on my own as a personal trainer, after I made that decision, every single morning for a few weeks, I woke up with this pit in my stomach, like, oh my gosh, are we really going to do this? Mm-hmm. And all the what ifs of like, what if no one shows up? What if it costs a million dollars and no one shows up? Like all these things. <laughs> There's the river of misery. Oh my gosh. So river of misery. But then I did it two months later and it was so, so amazing. Like it changed the lives of everyone who was there, but it changed my life too. And I had no idea the magic that I was capable of creating in in that environment until I did it. And it was just another example. So again, collecting evidence. Now it's one more piece of evidence that I have to show me that whenever I have a big idea that scares me to death, that gives me diarrhea, that makes me wake up in like a sweat of anxiety... I will make it happen and it will be successful even though I'm terrified. <laughs> and the terror might be the sign that it's right. Right, exactly, do. exactly. Yeah, and that's a whole nother thing. I mean, I'm, I always say the thing that makes you equally nervous and excited is the thing that you must do. And I knew going into it, I was equally nervous and excited. I wasn't just dreading it. I was super excited about it, but I was also terrified. <laughs> 
So yes. really looking at both. Well, I think that this will be very inspiring for moms because I think to hear, because I think moms, sometimes we, we all get stuck in our, you know, thinking our identity is locked. Like, oh, I'm not a person that takes risks or, you know, oh, I don't need to play bigger. I just need to get my kids to, you know, pick up their shoes, right? Like right. we kind of have like, oh, I don't need that. Uh, I can't go to the bed without the dishes in the sink or whatever. And those are just things you're telling yourself, right? Like you can right. really do anything you want to do. Yes. The question to ask is what do I want? And what feels, as you said, equally exciting and terrifying. Yeah. And break it down to a really small step and yes. go out and do it, cross the river of misery. And you'll <laughs> notice how your identity starts to shift. Like you're saying, like, now I perceive myself as a person who crosses finish lines, as a person who right. gets up before the kids get up. And that's so powerful. So hopefully this was inspiring to those mamas who are maybe that you know what it is you want to do and you're scared to take action or maybe you're just not sure because you're so bogged down with the to-do list. And in that case, your first step is just to start asking the question, what do I want? So yes. thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me today. And where can they find more information from you? So people can listen to the Shameless Mom Academy podcast anywhere podcasts are to be had on any podcast app. And then you can find me online at shamelessmom.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. Want a free life coaching session? Go to lifecoachingforparents.com and schedule yours today. And thank you so much for listening. I would love it if you would subscribe and share these podcasts with your friends. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on the air, go to lifecoachingforparents.com slash record my question and you can send me a voicemail recording or write me an email and I'll answer it on the air. Thanks again. Have a great day.